Welcome to the Wildlife Experience. This is Andrew Austin. In this episode, I interview Anne-Marie Young. Anne-Marie is a landscape artist from Austin, Texas, uh, who has an interest in wildlife. Um, much of her work as an artist is going out and experiencing different landscapes around Texas and uh, more recently, Alaska. And painting natural landscapes. And uh, she has some really cool stories to tell about her time in Alaska and some of her travels around Texas and hanging out in various state parks. Um, so we, we talk a little bit about some of her experiences um, and, and with art and traveling around. And um, she's uh, started to get into fishing and herping and other outdoor pursuits as well. And um, so we have a really nice conversation about some of that, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, so now I bring you Anne-Marie Young. I am here with Anne-Marie Young. Anne-Marie, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's great I'm to have you. Here. Um, so just to, we're going to start off here. Um, you can just tell us all about yourself. You can start really wherever you would like, um, where you're from in the world. Um, your interest and your career, and we'll go from there. Sure. So, well, my name is Anne Marie. I go by Anne Marie. Um, and oh, let's see where I want to start. I guess I was born and raised in Austin. Um, grew up in Austin, went to high school in Austin, went to college in Austin, and now I'm sick of Austin, so looking for a new place to be. But um, um, I went to college with the University of Texas Hookham, um, with the intention of going into the Air Force originally. Uh, did about five weeks of Air Force ROTC and decided that was terrible and didn't want to do that ever again. So I switched uh, career paths and decided I was going to be an artist. So I did three years of studio art degree stuff and graduated with my BFA in studio art in May of this year. And then the day after I graduated, ran away to Alaska for a little bit, three months. Um, now I'm back doing art stuff. Yeah. Um, leaving again for Alaska in five days, though. And let's see. I think that's yeah. Good we can go from there. Um, you you kind of cut out. You mentioned something about wildlife. What, what was your first sort of uh, moment where you found out found out that you're kind of interested in wildlife? So I would say it was less of wildlife first, and it was more of landscape. Yeah. Um, in my first semester of painting class at UT, they gave us an assignment. Pretty much we can make whatever we wanted. Um, and I ended up doing a painting of uh, Arizona landscape thing. And I finished the painting, and I said, this kind of looks like what I want to do for the rest of my three years here. So I really, I really dig landscape painting. Um, so I got into that and then made a bunch of friends at Texas A&M who were every single one of them was a wildlife and fisheries major. So <laughs> I spent more consecutive time in College Station, Texas for my three years of college than I did in Austin. And I'd like to say I have an honorary wildlife and fisheries degree from Texas A&M <laughs> because I went to all the club meetings. I went to the volunteer events. I, I know Sheer exposure. Sheer exposure. I know so much secondhand knowledge of Texas wildlife and all these cool projects that my friends did. Um, 
So I like to joke that I have an honorary degree from there. But that's really when I got into wildlife at all is visiting my friends um, in College Station. So that's where I started. So you're mainly a landscape photographer, photographer. I always speak about photography, artist. Um, Yeah. And and that uh, I've I've seen a lot of your work and it it must really connect you to kind of the like, uh, like just nature in general and like your landscape art is very like ecologically uh like accurate many times you know you really get an understanding of like the texas landscape in some of your work it's really cool thank you i i try to i always try to have have been to the places i paint so i i'm most of the time i'm painting from uh, painting from photos but they're photos that i took myself and so it's super duper important for me to to be or have been in the places that I paint and it's like 90% of my paintings. So yep. most of the time I'm working from a photo I took and it's encouraging because um, that's my subject matter most of the time. It encourages me to have to go on these trips yep. to Texas State Parks and Big Bend and Cap Rock Canyon and Pedal yep. and all that. Um, so I've, I've set myself up in a good spot. It's exactly what I want to be doing and exactly where I want to be and painting what I love. So. Yeah. So what's your favorite state park in Texas? Oh, this one's, this one's easy. It's Enchanted Rock. Um, my freshman year of college. I mean, I'd, I'd been there a couple times as a kid. Like, dad would drive me out to Fredericksburg. We would do the day hike up there. Uh, and then my freshman year of college, I was working as a waitress. And I've never been camping by myself before. I'd only been camping maybe once or twice as a child before this, but... Uh, I got off my shift as a waitress and I was like, I'm going to go camping tonight in Enchanted Rock. Um, And I decided I was going to go by myself. And so I drove to my mom's house, took all this camping stuff from the garage. And mom, I'm sorry if you're listening to this, which you probably will. I lied. I said I was going with my roommate. I was not. I was going by myself. I was trying to be courageous. But I drove out to Fredericksburg. Um, I was trying to beat the sunset so I could set up a tent out there. and. I did not. I drove to the state park. Didn't realize you had to make a reservation. Yeah. So, um, the park ranger kicked me out. <laughs> said I had to go camp somewhere else. And he sent me down the road to this ranch, I guess, that took overflow campers for eight bucks a night. So I go up to this trailer home and I pay this guy eight dollars. It's sun is set by now. Like it's good. Yeah, you, you missed it. You missed the, the goal. Time to life. set up the tent is is not good, but I was still confident. Paid this man $8 in his trailer home. And then he said, drive out wherever you want. You see a fire pit, that's a good spot. I said, okay, so I drove out there and tried to set up the tent, not realizing I had taken a family-sized tent for my mom's garage. It was like a 12-person tent. <laughs> Gave up, just tent was not gonna happen. And I slept in a sleeping bag on top of my car in Fredericksburg. And then 6 a.m. or something, woke up, Hiked to the top of Enchanted Rock. Sunrise was beautiful. Lit the rocks like all orange, red, pink, purple. Um, climbed to the top of rock. Cried. So I don't know. It was an emotional experience yeah. for me. Uh, hiked back down and drove home and didn't really tell anybody about it. <laughs> and then that was my first semester of my painting class. Yeah. I ended up making like 20 paintings from this one hike I did from the pictures I took. Yeah. Um, 
and they're still my favorite painting. Every painting that I've ever made of Enchanted Rock is, I don't know, has a special place in my heart because really? that's stupid, stupid experience. Like the, but... See the cactus in there and stuff. It's really cool. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's my favorite. <laughs> I, I, I didn't make reservations, but I ended up getting in just by going up there and uh, got set up and everything. And I was sitting out on the rock at like one in the morning. It was a full moon. And I, I took a few long exposures of the like, like on top oh, yeah, of the rock. And see the Milky Way. It was, it was really cool. And I have one picture of myself, uh, like sitting on the rock. Um, I took a long exposure of myself sitting on the rock and you can see the landscape just across, out, out, you know, across the landscape mm-hmm. from the rock, like the viewpoint from the rock. Yeah. And it looked like I was on another planet, you know, sitting yeah. on the rock. It was just really neat. Yeah. Um, and there are little ringtailed, the ringtails, uh, you know, are you familiar with that little small little mammal? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw like several on the, on the rock that night. It was really cool. Um, yeah. I always point if people want to see ringtails, I always say go to Enchanted Rock because they're really easy to see there. You just kind of mm-hmm. go shine around at night. Um, yeah. But that is a, a really cave cool. system that goes from the top and uh, went through that one time. That's crazy. I guess yeah. that's not like a super well known. It's kind of I, I didn't cool. know there was a cave. I didn't know there's a cave system there. There's a crazy cave system where you that's can cool. pop pop in at the top and then crawl through the caves and end up okay i won't encourage that because there's <laughs> spray painted arrows in the dark yeah. of the cave but you're saying you, you did that or you you know just did. Know wow i did do it so did you see any critters down there spiders yeah. <laughs> i think spider too but yeah um yeah underrated state park it's getting a little it too is. crowded you're, you have to make a reservation there I know. Like they're doing the in advance thing like you can't make a reservation day of anymore so that's a little disappointing i guess i don't know if it's more pronounced because of the pandemic and, and people are wanting to get outside but it seems increasingly hard to to get a spot in any state park in the hill country you know to get just yeah you gotta reserve for like lost naples you gotta reserve months or freaking it seems like almost a year in advance to go out there in the fall and see the the big tooth maples um and really a lot of the other state parks are the same way. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's uh I guess the bottom line is we need more public land in Texas, but I I was gonna I uh, just written down my notes. It's the whole yeah, public pu- land. Public land. But... What do you think about that? Our limited public land. Ninety five percent of Texas is privately owned. Yeah. Um I, it was so different. I would I would say growing up and being born and raised in Texas you don't think twice about the stuff. You're like, yeah, you, of course you can't camp on the side of the road. Of course you can't cross that fence. Duh. Yeah. It's that's you know, somebody's ranch or something, but then going to Alaska this summer where it's 98% public land and like complete reversal and going out with friends and fishing and everything is like fair game. Yeah. You can pull over anywhere on the side of the road and you could, you could pull over walk 14 miles that way, walk back and nobody will ever know you were there. And Won't hit everything one, is no trespassing sign. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's that was, that was incredible. Um, just, just, uh, just to even see the difference. Uh, and I have appreciation for both. Um, yeah. I love my Texas ranches and all that, but yeah. Right. And they have some value. They have some value too. They really have some value for for wildlife conservation. Um, in a previous mm-hmm. episode, we kind of touched on this, um, but it's nice to have some uh, some nature set aside where where 
crowds of people can't go trampling on it you know that's true that's it's a it's a very it's a complicated issue i just i think texas could use a little more public land (laughs) in general yeah is that um ben masters is is he really big into that i i watched i'd listen to a podcast i listened to two podcasts with him where he i think it was him that was saying somewhat of a similar thing but yeah probably i think think we have similar ideologies about that can't say Mm -hmm. for sure though um have to have him on Mm -hmm. at some point we'll talk about that yeah Um, yeah when you got to west texas it's really crazy when we have big bend national park and that's a that's a sizable chunk of that's our biggest chunk of public land Mm -hmm. but there are other entire mountain ranges like large expanses of land that i feel like the public should have access to that are under private ownership it's just Mm -hmm. crazy like you look out at all these mountains you go out to like the davis mountains or wherever out there in the trans pecos and like that should be public wilderness it should be accessible to the public um for hunters and fishermen and hikers and campers and but instead like one person has access to it you know it's really crazy Mm -hmm. um yeah it's uh i was out yeah on big bend this um just a few days ago and the state park was booked um couldn't get a reservation there we had to pay to stay at some campsite that was in Terralingua, um private land whatever and yeah. pay to stay there and yeah especially when the land is i don't say useless but like useless for cattle, cattle. or yeah. crop whatever whatever it is yeah yes if it's just a beautiful piece of the land that somebody just wants to own yeah there's some there's some guy um one of the richest people in one of the richest yeah richest people in the united states he owns like an entire mountain range somewhere near big bend national park and i think the u.s fish and wildlife service was going to buy it but they ended up using those resources elsewhere to like expand existing refuges but i really wish they would have bought that because it's like a really beautiful huge like huge swath of wilderness uh, in the trans pecos but um just some some random guy that just he owns like more land than anybody else in the freaking country and but he's yeah. trying to sell it but no like the nobody wants to buy it no no federal entity or state entity i guess wants to buy it it's really a shame mm. i want to go out there yeah it's probably so much cool wildlife to to discover you know mm. what about east okay. eastern texas have you spent much time in the eastern part of the state I can't say I have. Um, my mom's from Louisiana, hmm. but uh, northern part of Louisiana, like West Monroe area. Oh, I was um, just in. I was just in Monroe. Not, not uh, that's right. Yeah, my mom's side of the family is, and as far as like Houston, Beaumont area, not not really. Um, it's a real shame. <laughs> I, I haven't spent a lot of time out there. I can't, honestly couldn't even say I've spent a lot of time in Louisiana, hmm. but um, the coast. Yeah, I go to. Corpus Christi and Port Aransas okay, yeah. um, pretty often for fishing. Uh, but other than, other than that, I don't, I don't get over there as yeah. much as I probably should. But. There's, um, there's some really, really cool stuff. And when you get into the piney woods, there's really cool salamanders. That, uh, I see your posts about all that stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I remember yeah. I used to see them all the time. <laughs> back to the salamanders here pretty soon. They're, we're getting into that part of the year where they're, 
lot of those species are going to be breeding. Um, mm -hmm. And then when spring comes around, early spring, we get all these really beautiful wildflowers that that are found in those those woodlands. Um, that are really neat. It's just it's when you drive through there, it, it looks like it's all like very wild. There's forest everywhere, but unfortunately, a lot of that forest is agriculture. It's pine agriculture. But when you find those little areas that haven't been developed by agriculture or um, for other land use practices, you find some really cool wildlife and, and plants and stuff. Um, so it's definitely worth checking out, especially the Big Thicket. If you ever get a chance, check out the Big Thicket National Preserve. There's some yeah. really neat stuff out there. You mm -hmm. know. Yeah. I have a question about that. Do you do you know what's the difference between? I was looking at the other day. Na uh, national park wise, Texas has big bad national park they have one national park but then there's i know there's the national preserve coastline or like what is uh oh, padre island national yeah pa that doesn't count right what what's the difference between do you know i actually don't know <laughs> I, 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 actually, day, I don't but... know what the i think they're i think they're all under the national park service mm -hmm. like big thicket national preserve is under the national park service just like big ben national park is and big uh south or padre island national seashore mm -hmm. i think they're just different designations i'm not really sure i do know big thicket national preserve i'm pretty sure it was the very first national preserve ever ever um uh established in the united states which is kind of cool but it's like these tiny little slivers of, of land it's not like one big swath it's, they're kind of yeah. like they got different tracks kind of all over the the southern part of the piney woods so you kind of have to look for for some of them um yeah you gotta look at maps and stuff but it's a it's a neat place um doesn't have the views of big ben national park or paladero yeah but you go out there to appreciate the biodiversity yeah know? but it's got the yeah <laughs> it, just, yeah the, it's got the character the diversity of plants it's got like some of the highest plant diversity in north america maybe the most you know oh. it's, it's really, you can walk down one trail and there's like six, seven different ecosystems. Yeah. Like you start off like in this upland sandhill, like pine, pine, uh, longly pine savanna. And mm -hmm. as you go down in elevation towards the, the creeks, it goes from like a, um, it like transitions from longly pine to like this uh, magnolia beach slope forest. And then down to like this, this kind of uh, what they call mesic uh, kind of floodplain area. Uh, and then you get down in the proper like bottomland hardwoods with palmettos and like uh, water oaks and stuff. And it's real swampy. It's really, it's really yeah. cool. You got to check it out at some point. This is where I wish I had took a, taken an ecology class yeah, right. or something. All, all I know is my no, you're, you're knowledge, good. but you're good. I trust you. Those are all very a, cool. The point is it's a very diverse place with, you know, entirely different ecosystems. You know, you can, mm -hmm. on one trail, you can go down and see, all this beautiful plant diversity and, and all the animals associated with each little ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's really, I think you would have a lot of inspiration for your art if you go out there. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it down. I'll yeah. put it on my list. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some things you like to do aside from going out hiking and taking pictures for art inspiration? Um, I know you've, you've done a little fishing and, and, and I know you've done a little bit of herping and stuff. You can welcome mm -hmm. to talk about any of that stuff if you'd like yeah sure and I don't know I feel like when I when I send this to my friends and family or post about it they're gonna be like why were you on a wildlife and fisheries podcast I'll be like well, 
to, you know, because I do some of those things, but um, yeah. yeah, I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, yeah, so yeah, about two years ago, I never fished before that really, but um, you know, I started very casually going fishing with my friends, um, yeah. just in ponds and lakes around Brazos River, around College yeah. Station, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then herping. I kind of remember how I got into that one. I don't remember how that came up, but I know we went herping at least once. Yes. It started with started with my fascination with salamanders. Yeah. Um I I went on this quest to find tiger salamanders as a Christmas gift mm-hmm. for a friend. And oh, my fascination with salamanders grew. And I was like, what if I just go find salamanders? Yeah, how do I do this? Go about herping and stuff so it was just a fun thing you know trying to do go at night flip rocks and logs and even around college station it's fun go find the green tree snakes and little skinks and stuff like that um you have a really cool picture where you're holding like i don't know how many rough green snakes yeah that was uh five or six or yeah i'll give credit to cade cotter you know him yeah Okay, Cade took us out as our like guide that yeah. that night, and he was like, "Yeah, follow me. I know where all the green tree snakes were." And we we walked down this. It was like a, like next to a construction site, an apartment complex, not not somewhere you would think these I don't know snakes would be. And yeah, we were like ankle deep in mud and poison ivy and stuff. And and you look up in these trees, and they're just like everywhere, like in the branches, they're tangled yeah. up. And he's like, "Yeah, just grab them. Like they don't <laughs> bite. They're yeah." And, and so he's, we're all just like handling these little green tree snakes and yeah yeah, it's a lot it was a lot of fun you know it was just a fun thing and uh i don't know when you're with people who know what they're doing i feel a lot more comfortable doing it and yeah yeah i got you uh yeah so like just a fun thing to start with did you ever did it ever occur to you that there's an entire hobby that is directed at looking for snakes no it didn't and then when i uh I'd make a stupid like TikTok video or something about herping and my friends would see it or the comments would be like, what is herping? What is that? Like, what are you talking about? And then like looking for reptiles and amphibians. I don't even know how to describe it, but that's um, it. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. It, um, they, they could have picked a better word. They could have. It, it doesn't sound very fun. When <laughs> it, uh, I always get weird looks and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going, I'm going out to look for herps, you know, or like, mm-hmm herpes wait, wait what yeah be safe yeah. Uh, i've been sure. doing it for so long and so it's kind of it's pretty normal to me so i always have to remind myself when i'm talking to non-herpers to uh make sure to explain what i'm talking about yeah you know because yep. it's uh but it's a lot of fun and i always have a lot of friends that hunt and fish and stuff and i'm always like man you i, I really think you would enjoy this if you get over <laughs> your this fear of snakes that was instilled into you mm-hmm. um Cause it's a lot of the same like tactics, you know, you gotta kind of learn about their behaviors and learn about the habitat and like you go out and you target certain species and it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I'm a big hunter and fisherman, fisherman as well. And, and it, it's like the carryover is very, it's, it's, uh, it's just like it. And it's all the same to me. Um, it's just pursuing wildlife, um, and just getting out in the outdoors and experiencing nature, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, it's really cool. Um, and there's so many species to look for, you know, you'll never find all of them you travel yeah. to different countries if you have to. Yeah. Uh, but I still have a lot in Texas. 
Um, so I, I do plan to pl- to travel um, outside of Texas more in the upcoming year, but there's so many species of reptiles and amphibians just right here in our own backyards. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And they're worth appreciating and looking for. Yeah. I think maybe the one time we went herping together was when, when you had, you, I think you had said this, I got it from somebody, but, and it might've been you, it's, it's like the endangered Texas endangered species and reptiles and amphibians that are in our own backyard, like Houston toad and Martin yeah. Spring salamander and yeah. those types of things. Like they don't get the, the attention or education yeah. pushed forth through them uh, as much as the, as, so what you said, charismatic animal. Everybody knows charismatic, about polar bears. Charismatic megafauna. Get all the all the resources. Everybody knows about the lions and tigers and bears that are. It sounds like something. But... Sounds like something I said because I, I I always think that um, we have uh, just amazing biodiversity that you know mm-hmm. is under the under the leaf litter you know right under our feet. Yeah. A lot of it's uh, a lot of those species are you know disappearing rather rapidly. Yeah. And they're worth saving. Um, yeah. And the reality is a lot of, a lot of the charismatic megafauna does already get plenty of resources, uh, for conservation, but, uh, yeah. a lot of the smaller stuff is overlooked and it's really a shame. Yeah. The know. golden cheek warbler, golden cheek Austin, Texas, Barton Springs, Salamander, all this. Yeah. All that stuff. It was, uh, it was either that, that like riff that you had, that you had spoken, yeah. uh, well, it stuck with me and I, I, yeah. I thought about that for a long time and then I agree and you ask a child a eight-year-old child in Austin Texas like name an endangered species they'll tell you the Bengal yeah. tiger but they won't <laughs> tell you the bird in their own backyard you know right so yeah. true you've had a you've had a few art projects that were directed at endangered species right mm-hmm. these very overlooked species we're talking about right mm-hmm. I um for pretty much my senior year I was in couple different art classes. I was in like a printmaking class and I was in painting, um, maybe drawing class. I can't remember all of them, but for specific, for my uh, painting class, I did my last entire year of paintings on Texas state parks. And then in my printmaking class, I did it on Texas endangered species where I made all kinds of different artwork about, about these guys. And I did prints of whooping crane uh down in corpus and kemp's ridley sea turtle and houston toad and i i I would do all these little art projects about these endangered animals and was the only audience that really like saw them or heard about them my 20 person zoom call art class yes but it was very important to me at the time and uh tried to got a children's book going um finished up like a draft of it the whole outline, like sample pages, did illustrations and everything. And I submitted it, went to uh, Tamu Press and went through the whole waiting period of if that was going to be accepted or approved. And they finally, finally denied it after many months, but um, said they don't really do children's books. Even though I found children's books that they've published on their website. It's all right. A little salty about that, but I did. uh, You tried different publishers? I, I didn't. I, I it was kind of a class project slash oh, project at the same time. And once I graduated, it was kind of one of those things it. that I think you yeah. should. I think you should should send it off to somebody else. You know, it push, sounds really yeah, cool. push on for that. I, sh- I should. Yeah, so, that was fun yeah. to do my little research about all the yeah. 
Texas species and yeah. new appreciation for it. Have you gone out to look for a golden cheek warbler or any of those species? I've been out to look. Have I been successful? No. <laughs> um, I went out to Perginalis Falls one time kind of to look around for them. Yeah. Supposedly in that area, I think Wimberley, Texas, went out to look one time. But the Barton Springs salamanders, they're truly only in Barton Springs pool downtown Austin. Um, and they have a little fenced off pool. It, it, you can't see them. It's fenced off. They're under rocks. Um, but I've been out there, read all their signs about them. It's a little, it's, it's kind of underwhelming and a little, I don't know. When you go, you know you're not going to find them. Yeah, I've been there they're as well. They're endangered. Um, yeah. But even you if you don't see them, they're, uh, I, I love all, all salamanders and stuff, but mm-hmm. a lot of those hill country, uh, what we call neotenic salamanders, they, they retain those larval characteristics and they remain fully aquatic. They're not much to look at. To be honest, yeah, they're whatever. They're like, yeah, they're small and they're you two know, centimeters of, and like have a lot of pretty color. translucent. <laughs> yeah, but I I appreciate them because you know they're endemic to these you know yeah specific systems and these little areas and um. But I have I've gone out to look a few times for a few of those. There's I don't know how many now. There's always new ones being discovered mm-hmm. um in the hill country. The Barton Springs one is it's pretty well known. Mm-hmm. There's the San Marcos. San Marcos, yeah. Salamander. Texas blind salamander. Yeah, that one too. And they're all in the same genus. They're all Eurecia. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all, you know, they look a little bit different. And um, there's, yeah, there's a couple more. I've, I've gone on a few times. I haven't been successful, but I'm not. I mean, they're not. They're hard to photograph for one. They're, it's hard to really make yeah. them look nice. It's hard to hard to find. Yeah. I would like to find one just to say I did see one, and just to mm-hmm. have just. I, I would like to see them in person. But uh, I, it's nice to know they're there, regardless yeah. if I see them or not. It's nice to know they're there, and I appreciate that's, that. that's how I feel. It's right? like, <laughs> I know they're down there under their little rocks, but I'd like to know that they're still there and not. It's like killed off as a species. It's like um, polar bears. You know, many people care a lot about polar bears, and we all know we, you know, a lot of us will never see polar bears, but we like to know that they're there. Yeah, know? exactly. It's just kind of the same thing, but. Reminds me, we, we can talk about, um, you just got back from Alaska not too long mm-hmm. ago and you're about to go back to Alaska, mm-hmm. which is pretty darn cool. You spent several months there living out in the woods. I don't know. Yeah. It was like you were alone half the time. I, I don't know what the, I, the I can tell was. you about that. Um, yeah. so from, from beginning to end and maybe where it goes, I'll, yeah. I'll talk about that. Um, so I graduated university of Texas, May 22nd of this year, uh, and then flew to Alaska on May 23rd, the very next day that I graduated. I had it all lined up. I was ready to go. Got the hell out of Texas. Got the hell out of Texas the day after I could. So that started um, my friend Lauren Yancey. You might know her AFS. I helped her do fish uh, fish work one time. Yeah. Like- yeah. So she uh, she's one of my best friends. She got a job up there for the summer yep. doing Arctic grayling research. Um with the university and in, in Fairbanks. Um, and she was looking at apartments and student housing up there. And she's like, this is all ridiculous. Like, and so I kind of joked, I was like, you need a roommate? I'll go. And <laughs> it was a joke for a long time. I had no intention of actually going. And I thought about it for a while. I was like, you know what? No, I'll go. Like, what, what better am I doing? I can make an art project out of it. I can, yeah. I can do a lot of things in Alaska. And so, uh, 
she uh we booked a cabin decided to be roommates it was a real you know a real we're in the woods cabin we had an outhouse there was no running water uh we had to drive into town to take showers um and so she had driven up there before me a few weeks with me with her dog and driven all the way to Alaska and then I flew up and met her and we were roommates for the summer and for, for three months we lived in our little Alaska cabin and she'd go to work every day and do fish research um, at the university and I would hang around and do my paintings and do postcards and it was just the best summer ever best three months you could imagine yeah. uh, I think she would agree as well it should be mandatory for every young adult graduating or just just young Anybody. mandatory every young adult spend one summer in alaska it should be mandatory in, in alaska really builds in, character in builds character in you it, yeah. it's life-changing mandatory one summer in alaska but and so two two summer, months two months total we were there for three months three months okay yeah wow. that, that's uh that must have been quite an experience yeah and i get more uh up there even get more secondhand every single one of my friends up there that was through Lauren in the university and yeah. every single one of them was a fish biologist or a you know wildlife biologist get more more of that secondhand experience and yeah. all of a sudden I'm fishing and camping and doing all these things and <laughs> world-class like arctic grayling fishing and salmon fishing and all this all this awesome stuff with all these people who know so much more than I do. Um, I'm just grateful to be there. I'm always, I'm always the friend that tags along that knows nothing about wildlife or science, but I sure am around them a lot. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you, I always prefer to be around people that know so much more than me because yeah. learning is so fun. You know, learning from people directly is a lot of fun. Not, not sitting in a classroom, you know, like exactly. I, I like, I like, uh, hanging around people that are that are older and wiser and, and know more yeah that's exactly how like listening to them talk about aging fish by their otolith bones and all that I can I can really get into that when I'm out there in a kayak fishing with them I don't know if I could get behind that if I'm in a classroom but yeah. I'm enthusiastic and they you know they're patient with me and taught taught me everything I Lauren pretty much taught me everything I know about fishing ever awesome. so so what, what kind of fish were y'all catching out there? Uh, in the interior Fairbanks area, uh, her research was about Arctic grayling. I don't know if you've seen what they know. look like. Uh, Never heard of they're, that. they're related to trout. I think they're okay. in the same same family or genus. If Lauren listens to this and I'm wrong, then <laughs> you know what? I got my degree in art, but <laughs> Arctic <laughs> grayling fishing. It's all good. They're related to trout. They're beautiful. Like, like one of the most gorgeous fish you'll ever see. They have a long big giant top fin whatever you call it dorsal uh, fin dorsal yeah. fin there we go and they shimmer in the light they're like purple and green they're gorgeous fish and yeah. so the first week there we get invited by this 80 year old man named al it's a cabin on the delta clear water and he's really excited we're there and y'all should come fishing out at <laughs> the the river i'm on and he takes us out there on his boat and first week we're in Alaska, we're like, this is like one of the best, if not the best spot to catch Arctic grayling in the world. And he's just casually like, yeah, we'll practice throwing your fly rod in or flying. And it's insane. The, the amount of good fishing that we got in this summer, 
and then drive down to Anchorage and we got to do some salmon fishing. Um, and we caught lake trout and pike, all kind of cool things <laughs> out there in Alaska. Every single thing is cool. Yeah. Did you eat some fresh fish? We did. Um, in, yeah, in, uh, Anchorage, I get Alaskans have a totem pole of like what salmon is the best salmon. Yeah, the top is, you know, king salmon and all okay. of that. Yeah. The season that we went down there, it was pink salmon were running. And I guess that's kind of low on the Alaskan totem pole. So we had caught a bunch of pink salmon. Um, everybody was like, oh, that's not like the best. It's not even bother cook. Like, don't even bother to cook it. But to us, like Texas girls were like, we're cooking our Alaskan salmon. Like, this is Alaskan salmon. Like, let's cook it. So Who we cares what species it is. <laughs> it was it was it's called pink salmon I couldn't tell you the scientific name but um it's like their lower tier salmon whatever they're picky about their salmon up there because they have such good access to the best stuff um but we we ate a lot of our pink salmon and then we had a friend who would Alaska local who would have too much too much of the the red salmon and bring it over and smoke it for us and a lot of fresh fish, delicious. Yeah. Um, so I ate it smoked. We did. We did the whole like eight hour smoking process. Oh. Um, I've always wanted to try salmon like that. Mm -hmm. it, was really good. it was 10 out of 10, like the best thing I had for the summer. Yep. And yeah. That's it's cool. A, it's a magical place up there. Bears. You saw bears, I'm sure. So the Fairbanks area doesn't have doesn't have a ton of bear activity. Mm -hmm. Um and I can, I can say I never saw a bear in Fairbanks city limits, which um, there was some bear activity alleged uh, <laughs> in, when Lauren went to on her work trips and stuff in kind of the more remote parts around Fairbanks. But we did see a lot of bears in Anchorage area. And I have a new philosophy on black bears in Alaska. I would very much compare them to raccoons in Texas. Like they're kind of, they're kind of a trash animal. And I don't mean that really? like as in they're a like gross animal but they they dig in trash they dig in trash and they are very much like how you would treat a raccoon in texas like they dig in they're like a nuisance right up there in, your, in your garbage cans and kind of like you have to be careful obviously because they're bears but um and with the black bears it's, it's if you assert dominance they run away pretty much um like raccoons um but <laughs> grizzly bears different story yeah can't can't be aggressive towards those we saw those when we went to denali national park but we saw them like through binoculars yep. like, probably a good thing probably a good thing but i didn't get a close-up close-up look at a grizzly bear which probably is a good thing um, although they, they are i've worked a lot with apex predators mainly crocodilians and all crocodilians are very misunderstood you know just because they're large predatory animals doesn't mean they want to hurt people my understanding mm -hmm. is bears are the same way but i have no experience with bears so if i ever yeah. go out there i'm going to be nervous if i see a grizzly yeah. yeah and my my biological instincts are going to kick in and i'm going to be nervous i just know it yeah. i uh, i would be nervous if i ran into a crocodilian as well so they they, they rarely <laughs> ever attack people is my understanding yeah big grizzlies yeah and like when i was up there they, they most people told me moose were more dangerous than yeah 
the bears like stay away stay away from the moose and we saw a lot of uh and maybe this is just my ignorance we saw a lot of female moose i think i didn't see yeah. any of the hor- or the moose with the big you know charismatic yeah. antlers um, it could have been the time of year i'm pretty could sure have been the time of year they didn't have their antlers yeah but from what it seemed i feel like i saw more moose with calves like oh, okay so it probably maybe. yeah would have been would have been females yeah. than i did i, I remember seeing one like young male moose and he had yeah, like short little antlers but i didn't see any like big bull moose oh that uh, sucks I, I would really want to see a big bull because they're just yeah they look like some there's like a bunch of extinct deer like animals with massive antlers like that mm-hmm. it seems like those are one of the species that like we'd be looking at in the fossil record and not alive today you know yeah very prehistoric looking very Indeed. fascinating very dangerous too yeah and really saw our fair share of moose, but not the, yeah, not not the, the big bulls. impressive bulls. Mm-hmm. Any other big megafauna out there you saw? You got moose, bear. Saw like, saw foxes. I, I mean, that's, oh, I love foxes. Saw foxes way more often than I've ever seen them in Texas, you know, and like the cool, like red foxes, you know, the yeah. little black tail and run across the street at night. And, oh. yeah. um, that's fun. And it's just such a good, like, Everywhere you go, even if you're in town, nothing is ever like you're not in a city city. You're still pretty much it's yeah. We're all we're all out kind of outside of the city limits where y'all were staying in the cabin. Yeah, so we still had city I think our power was still from the city, but we okay. were a good 10, 15 minutes from like the grocery store. But okay. it was secluded enough to it you're felt in the wild. It felt you're out. Wild. You're out in the woods. There's a. We had a pond behind our house, and yeah, um, yeah, it was secluded enough to feel, to feel out there. Um, did it, did you ever think like, or were you ever scared about like a bear just walking like through the property or? Kind of. Um, our our landlord. You own a, a small little cabin, right? Yeah, we were in a small little cabin. I guess. I heard a lot of horror stories this summer, you know, about bears breaking into cabins mm. that, you know, when people are gone. Oh, wow. I see it. I never would have imagined that's actually the case. I'd... Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. interesting. And heard a lot of stuff about that. We, we grilled our landlord on this when we, when we had moved in. Yeah. When's the last time you saw a bear? What is it? What's the animal activity? And maybe it's because he's our landlord. He's supposed to want us to live there, but he's like, <laughs> I haven't seen a bear here in over six years. The only bear I've ever seen here was like a black bear and it was, young and yeah. didn't cause any problems he says moose do come around but you hardly ever see them and they just come and eat the berries off your bush and yeah. walk back into the woods <laughs> um but i wasn't really nervous out there about about the animals more nervous about some, some truck pulls up and uh, yeah people. i'm always crazy more yeah worried. crazy people i'm more worried about when i'm camping alone i'm more worried about people than any any animal you know oh yeah attacks from even the the most uh you know sensationalized apex predators in the world are very rare you know sharks are often you know misunderstood crocodiles you know lions tigers all these animals people are so scared of but they actually look at the data the attacks from them are extremely rare but attacks from humans are very very common yeah (laughs) so uh, that's what we were we were more worried about the meth heads and the criminals out yeah, there exactly but. exactly and there's probably a fair share of them out in those areas yeah 
you know, there was of... definitely a few people up there yep. in Alaska who were running away from something, you <laughs> something. know, that they, they had moved to Alaska from somewhere that yep. they didn't want to be anymore. There's definitely those types of people. What, what was the culture like in, in uh, those towns? Was that a pretty cool culture? It's interesting. I'd say there's a fair mix of people. There was the university, the, the university isn't huge, but there's definitely a university crowd. There's, you know, professors and grad students and undergrad and whatever. And that was a lot of our friends that we'd made was just people affiliated with the university. Um, there's a military base out there, uh, Air Force Base and an Army base. So there's not a ton of military people, but there, there are They're a fair there. amount. Um, and then there's like, there's locals who <laughs> like most of the ones we met were like well into their 60s, 70s, 80s. And they're out there and they've been in Fairbanks for 50, 60 years. Like they moved to Fairbanks during the uh, pipeline days. People say that yeah. the pipeline was booming. Um, and you meet a lot of those people. And it's like, man, if, if Judy, who's 75, is out here and she's living by herself in a house in Fairbanks through the winters, you know, I could do it too. <laughs> so that was about the crowd. Um, yeah. No indigenous? Uh, only a handful that I like ever met or yeah. spoke with. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're they were there. I just yeah. didn't have a big presence um, when I was. I got there you. The summer. Yeah, it sounds like some small part of you hopes that you're that <laughs> seven year old woman someday. Yeah, she's cool. <laughs> she, uh, she was awesome. Yeah, and she makes me think like, wow, she's doing it. She's lasted so many winters here. So could you imagine? I think we both find a lot of value in, in social media, but it comes at a cost because it, it really is. You know, it's, it's just not good to be on there a lot. And there's a lot of, you know, ne negativity and false narratives and such. But could you imagine uh, just going to Alaska and just turning off all social media, Internet and just living in the woods? That's a, quite yeah. an attractive thought, isn't it? it and it <laughs> we almost got we almost got a taste of it. Like we saw our phones, but yeah. we didn't have like TV or reliable Wi-Fi. We were mostly going off of like cell phone data and yeah. stuff like that. Um but we were really oblivious to the news. Like we, we pretty much just did not watch, did not get any news updates the whole summer. Um, like I didn't know, like an example, I didn't know what the Delta variant was until September. Like when we were on our way back from Alaska and we were like driving back through the lower 48 and we were like, I don't even know what this is. And all the wildfires that happened this summer. So we drove back together. We drove through Canada uh montana wyoming colorado new mexico and the entire drive um pretty much as soon as we hit united states border wildfire smoke like wow. hey the all all states that we drove through like pretty much without with like no break in the smoke yeah. um we're like what's going on like <laughs> literally there's all this fire like what's all the smoke about and you know we learned that in montana like when we stopped gosh the whole country's on fire who knew <laughs> we were out in the woods in alaska like we, we just did not know and yeah. ignorance was bliss it really was you must have noticed some some uh um difference in your mental health You're like like a positive change in your any in your mental health i 
it was the best summer ever. That's all I could say. <laughs> like, yeah. really and it might have been the ignorance. It was. Yeah. It was. It was truly like I could not have a better experience for the months after I graduated college. And yeah. um, people, but people say the opposite about the winters in Alaska. They say oh, it's pretty miserable. It takes a total toll on your mental health because it's dark. Dark for and dreary. 22 hours of the day. It's negative wow. 40 degrees. You shovel snow anytime you want to go anywhere. Um, so it's going to be different when we go back up but there. But, but you're doing it. Do I'm doing it for a little bit to see. <laughs> I'm doing it for five weeks. Test Commit, the waters a little bit. Test the waters. See if I love it. See if I hate it. Um, Same place. No, it's uh, I'm I'm going to be house sitting ish for a friend who she's leaving for the month of January and leaving her dog and stuff so i'm, I'm like trading lives with her i'm okay. going up i'm gonna live in her cabin that's pretty it's different it's a cabin this one has water this time um nice. and like an indoor bathroom so that'll be cool nice. but we'll be with her dog and her car and her what did, winter you, what did you do without uh running water in the last last place like jump in the pond every <laughs> no so so lauren had a, a access to the university oh, showers nice. and gym and stuff um there you go. so we would just drive there to shower yeah. also just make friends yeah like uh um, your shower yeah make friends like yeah can i use your washer dryer this weekend please <laughs> like yeah. you know if you think you can't do it and that's a lot of people's mindsets it's like oh i could never live somewhere without an indoor bathroom <laughs> i can never i can never live in a space so small and and that's kind of how I felt too. You just have to do it. Like you go out there and then, yeah, sure. The first week or two, week or week or two adjusting is hard. And then you do it. And then that's the new normal. Like yeah. do humans hard are, things. Humans like, are very adaptable. On purpose. Um, humans are very, very adaptable. And there's billions of people living like that every day yeah. you know, without running water. And it's, this might be a bad Not example. Really. And I forgot who told this to me one time. They're like, like you can't imagine not having a car now, like without a car, you'd be like, what could I do? I couldn't have a job. I couldn't go to school. Like if I didn't have a car, I, I wouldn't be able to make it. But like, think about before you were 16 or whatever, you got your driver's license, you didn't have a car. You didn't have, then what'd you do? Like it might be a bad example because your parents drove you around everywhere, but right. like people adapt and you don't realize how easily you adapt. If you just throw yourself into the situation yeah. and honestly, making friends is my biggest tip ever did you make friends and connect with people you're willing to help them and they're willing to help you yeah life is easy yeah anything else about alaska let me check my notes here (laughs) um no i my plans for the winter are go ice fishing ice okay ice fishing try to go ice fishing uh we're gonna go Never been skiing before. We're gonna try cross country skiing because oh, nice. they don't that's have a lot of tall pretty hardcore. Go try it. Never been. The I've never even seen snow like deeper than three inches before. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm really jumping in the deep end. Um, yeah. Throwing yourself out there. And then I would like to go ice skating in an authentic frozen pond, yeah. and not an indoor ice skating rink. I would like to yeah. ice skate for real. That's the only three things that I have for my. And, and hopefully don't freeze to death. Not freeze to death. We yeah. Do that as well. So I was in Arkansas a couple of days ago and it got to like 27 degrees and the wind was blowing really hard. I was duck hunting out there and 
I'm like, I'm just not a fan of this cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My hands were cold. I couldn't sit still because I was so cold. The ducks weren't flying. So I would get up and walk around and warm myself up. I just can't mm-hmm. imagine being in negative degree weather, you know? Yeah. It's just. I can't imagine it either. I'm just going to. But if you wear the right, you got to get the right gear and stuff. You'll be hopefully yeah. be comfortable. Yep. Can't have any exposed skin, really. Yeah. You know. I bought heated socks and heated heated gloves. I didn't know these existed. I did not either. Ordered them off Amazon. They have batteries in them. (laughs) My heated gloves. I need to look into that. I could have used heated gloves. Hands are freezing. (laughs) Yeah. So. We can move to some different topics here. Let's see here. Um. get back to texas we got we got a lot to cover about texas we, we've talked a little bit about mm-hmm. texas but texas has some amazing wildlife and amazing ecosystems and um i don't you know i was born here so i guess it, and you were too i guess we're, we both kind of have a natural bias but texas truly does have like like world-renowned biodiversity mm-hmm. you know we have like the largest mammal migration in the world those bats mm-hmm. out in bracket yeah, yeah right it's like stuff like that is is like world class pretty cool mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. what would you say is big deal every time i go out of state people ask me how the bass fishing in texas oh works. bass fishing yeah you've been bass fishing i've been casually i'm not yeah. like as a sport bass fisher You're but not serious but you've been people outside of texas take it really seriously and they like oh yeah. i've always wanted to go to texas go to, to texas fish yeah it's I was in that culture for a little bit in high school. We had like competitive bass fishing mm-hmm. when I was in high school where you get paid money to win the tournament. Like really, yeah. it's like very, it's like fo- Texas football. It's very traditional. Texas bass fishing is very traditional. Yeah. Um, but I, talking to some of my, my fish nerd friends, um, they're always encouraging people to, to look at the other species that we have here, not just the bass, you know? Mm-hmm. That there's a lot to appreciate other than bass when it, in terms of fish mm-hmm. um, like gar alligator gar, gar stuff. Um, amazing prehistoric uh, monsters living in that was the river. coolest like grad project slash i know whatever the texas the wildlife fisheries team yeah. Yeah. that did that that research study yeah. gosh my ears were open the whole time every time we would hang out around a campfire or whatever and drink beer and stuff like that's what i wanted to hear about the alligator gar yeah they're Their in the, alligator gar project in the brazos, yeah. in the brazos right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i met the grad student um that was working on that and it, it was interesting i didn't hear much about it but i did you know ask him a few questions and that was before he really Maybe. started yeah yeah he started um like early last year maybe mm-hmm. yeah it's only right. like second or third year because it's a i think it's a phd Mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure i think it's a phd project mm-hmm. um so that's that's really cool that's a um that's a fish we really want to have around for future generations yeah you see you see these people go out and you know harvesting over their limit and they don't even eat them half the time they're actually mm-hmm. good to eat if you do want to harvest one but people think they they just they're full of bones and stuff but it's not the case they're, they're actually really good but yeah they're a fish that you don't even have to eat to appreciate. They're just cool to see, you know, just yeah. uh, a very prehistoric fish. Um, that's worth appreciating. We, we have a lot of them, it seems, mm-hmm. um, in, our, in our major rivers in the eastern part of the state. Would you say your favorite, uh, your most memorable 
wildlife experiences. It doesn't have to be Texas. It just in general, probably, probably going to go back to Alaska on this one. Oh yeah, let me think. Okay, well, this one, I don't know if it counts because we paid for it, but it was a, it was a whale boat whale tour out in uh, around the Kenai Fjords in Alaska. Um, okay, and me and Lauren, it was in this town. We left the ports out of Seward or Homer or. So on the same peninsula, I think Seward, Alaska, yeah. could be wrong, but so like a six, seven hour drive from Fairbanks, we drive all the way down there. We're spending the whole week in this peninsula. Um, and even from where we were, we'd driven from like Anchorage, it was three hours, a long time. We got, we got to Seward late at night, like midnight or something, looked for a place to set up camp because we had to get on this boat tour that we'd bought and it was in the yeah. morning, the boat boarded at eight or something um and I had like a head cold I was like kind of sick too and I'm like not energetic but we drove all the way to Seward couldn't find a camping spot at midnight everywhere it was like full of tents and RVs and not a single place so we slept in the trunk of the car we moved all of our like stuff to the front seat slept yeah. in the front of the car set our alarm for the morning we're gonna get on this boat and then I think we slept through the alarm. We woke up at like 7.55 or something. And I turned around, Lauren, the boat, we, the boat, we got to get on the boat. And she's like, oh, so we roll out of the car. We're like still in our pajamas. We throw all the stuff in the back and we drive to the boat docks. And like we get on this boat last minute. And we're both like not prepared. Would it take no off at like 8.30 or something? Uh, it was, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was something like that. But barely, barely got there. We'd slept through the alarm and ended up ended up on the boat, like tired, kind of sick. There were like three, like not a lot, three couples or families on this boat. It's not full. Um, where it usually would be full, uh, because of COVID. Like it was like 80 person capacity boat. It was a big boat. And there was like maybe 12 people on it. Oh wow. Um, and it was an eight-hour boat tour, but I'm not complaining because every single Every single second of it was gorgeous. And it's, they uh, advertised it as a whale tour and we saw whales. Yeah, we saw humpback whales and uh, we didn't see killer whales, but you know, that's okay. Cause we saw sea lions and sea otters and the Alaskan saw, coastline in general. Was yes. The Alaskan coastline, porpoise and bald eagles. And like every, every five minutes, the captain would be like, and if you look to our left, you'll see uh grizzly bear on the shore catching a ball and it was like <laughs> oh and then they drive you out to this glacier and we're seeing the glacier it was kind of sad but we're seeing the glacier's cap and like melt into the ocean oh wow and then they fish the ice out of the out of the ocean and they make us margaritas and they're like here's a margarita now watch the whales and the that's really cool play and is is incredible that that whole day the sights you see and the animals all in one day and it's like a sensory over overload yes in yep. the moment you know was. how was that humpback whale that's 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 got to be the largest animal you've ever seen we saw more than um more than one we saw like two or three and yeah. uh awesome it was incredible and then the the girls who were the staffing the boat who you know the crew yeah um, we were asking them like about their story and they're like oh how'd you get this job this is awesome you get to lead whale tours in alaska um 
they're like, yeah, we started in Hawaii and we actually just follow the whales for the season. So we spend our winters in Hawaii and then we go to spend our summers in Alaska and we leave these, these boat tours. I'm like, y'all have it figured out. That is the life. That is cool right there. From They just follow the whales. Um, Following the humpbacks, huh? mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. really cool. That's a, that's a quite a migration. Yeah. Or is it a migration that they're following? Yeah, I guess it's, it's a, yeah. That's crazy. Pattern every year, I guess they do it. And, uh, so you, you must have seen whales like when you were a kid, like in like little books and stuff. Did you ever, yeah. like, when you see them in person, it, it's probably kind of mind boggling how big mm -hmm. they are, huh? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I saw them last summer. I went to Iceland and did a similar thing. I did a boat tour for whales. So that wasn't the first time I saw I saw him in Iceland. I, I forgot you had went to Iceland. Let's talk about yeah. Iceland. What, what, what did you see in Iceland? Did you see puffins and stuff? <laughs> I did. Um, oh, that's so cool. I mean, we saw them in Alaska too, puffins. Oh, no Alaska. shit. Yeah, I forget they're there. But I just, mm -hmm. when I think of Iceland, that's like the first thing that pops into my brain. Puffins. Yeah. Really exactly. cool bird. Yep. And uh, I went to Iceland for another art thing. I was there yep. for a month. Um, and not a whole lot of wildlife, like on, like, on the on the country of Iceland, um, they only have they only have bugs, hardly any bugs. There were no no mosquitoes. Oh, that's great no for way. some people. <laughs> oh, it, like it kind of was, and people, <laughs> you'd go on a hike, and they would. Like, I was friends with all these people from Iceland. I was like, y'all, y'all need to bring extra water, and like, no, just bring one water bottle, and you can fill it up in the streams. Oh my god! Because there's no, there's nothing polluting the water. That in Alaska, it's like competing for top spot for best time ever but um, yeah. yeah that was my coolest you seem to prefer northern latitudes you know you haven't, Apparently, you haven't explored the, the tropics at all um i went to punta cana dominican republic the other okay. month but kind of like vacation vacation resort it was uh, it's oh just, that's, that's that's no experience that's no wild yeah life. i was gonna say as i don't know if that counts but um a lot of people they, they're like oh i've been to this country and that and like you learn that they never left the the tourist like yeah. resort like yeah. well, you didn't really experience that country after all yeah you should get so, out and you know get get into those small towns outside of the where all the touristy stuff is and embrace mm -hmm. the culture you know yeah it's really, it's really important and and the wildlife too mm -hmm. you've been to you've been to iceland alaska any anywhere else noteworthy those are the cool ones uh you count mm -hmm. canada through drive back um that was like also incredible yeah. wildlife. Um, driving through Canada, we saw the mountain goat. I forgot the specific name. Mountain, mountain goat. goats with the red eyes. Like the, the oh wow, I'm not, familiar. I'm not familiar. I don't know what species that is. They're white, right? Uh, yeah, the white mountain goats with oh, red eyes. And bears again, just like crossing the street, like raccoons to me. Um, and then we saw what else in Canada? What? moose and then we saw elk and uh, canada was beautiful the whole the whole drive through canada we went through banff um, national park and jasper national park in canada like those are like the most beautiful places ever what is banff is it that an is, acronym for something no it's banff national it's b-a-n-f-f banff oh okay i got you i got you it's gorgeous and it was pretty pretty touristy like a, a lot of it but ju just driving through the national park part all we did was drive it it Amazing. was gorgeous um yep. so 
are some places you'd like to go uh, outside of the U.S.? Um, on my list, this one's just kind of random. Uh, Guam. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my brother's from Guam, born born there. The first nine years of his life, he lived on Guam. I have a lot of family ties there, and I've never mm-hmm. been. Um, my brother went back every summer as a kid to go visit, and I've never been to Guam. There's a tropical place. What's your family uh, origin there? Um, so my dad was in the Navy. Okay. Yeah. That uh, explains he, your yeah. interest in the Navy, right? Yeah. Or yeah, I was a big Air Force, but kind of. Yeah, or, oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, my dad ended up on Guam for the Navy, and then he got out of the Navy, decided to stay on Guam, and was there for like 15, 20 years. Set up set up his life in Guam for a while and then had my brother and then my dad ended up back in the States with Texas. Yeah. My mom had me yeah. and then my brother had eventually moved and joined us. So my whole brother's side, half brother, I should say, but I see, yeah. he's like my full brother because I grew up, in, yeah, uh, yeah. grew up in Guam. That's cool. And I'd really like to see it out there. Dad not, there's a, there's a, an invasive snake that's like taken the over brown the brown tree snake. I know all oh, about you know it. all about it. Okay. Ate you know all more, the birds, ate all the mice. You know more than me because I forgot the species name. I just know there's a an invasive snake that's really causing problems there. Yeah, my my dad and my brother have told me stories about the brown tree snake and they're the other invasive. Um they say they always find their way into your house. Like they're mm. a schemy, schemy snake. And my yeah. my dad told me this story one time. He came home from the bar drunk <laughs> and he walked into his apartment and there was a tree snake in his chandelier light fixture. Oh wow. Brown tree snake tangled up in, in the light fixture. And my dad said he was like trying to fight it like with a kitchen knife. And it felt like he was slaying a dragon so, you know, <laughs> drunk and he's yeah. fighting this snake. And the, yeah. he tells me that story. I laughed, but um, yeah, that's, that's what I, I know about Guam, but I'd love to see Guam. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go catch some brown tree snakes, perhaps. Maybe. I don't know if there's. I think they're. I think they're, a, I think they're a rear fanged venomous snake, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. I don't. I don't think yeah. they're medically significant. Like if you got bit by one, I don't think it's a problem. But mm-hmm. if you do catch one, maybe don't try not to get bit by one just in case. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know they did. Uh, they drop. What well, their their plan to get rid of them for a while was they dropped crates of poisoned mice. Oh, onto wow. Guam and like let these poison mice run around and the snakes would eat them and die. Uh, I don't know where I heard that. That sounds like a total disaster because you gotta take into account the other predators that are gonna, that are gonna eat those mice. Yeah. I don't know what Guam has though. I don't. I don't think it's a particularly biodiverse place. Yeah. But couldn't tell you more than that. But yeah, I don't know much about Guam. I just the tree snake thing is always. Uh, I've always known about that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Anywhere else? Um, I have an ongoing list somewhere written yeah. down. But off the top of my head, I would like to spend just within the United States even. I, I haven't been, ever been to Utah. That's like okay. high on my list um, just yeah. to see the national parks in Utah. Uh, I'd like to spend some time in Pacific Northwest. I haven't spent yeah. a ton of time there. I've been to Seattle, but yeah. I haven't been to the cool. You want to see the big redwoods and stuff? I would. I would. I would love to see that and never been out that way. A lot of inspiration for art out there in those. That that would be, uh, I'll be keeping an eye out for that someday when you're, when you go there and start drawing that 
Mm-hmm. Forest. And then Greenland. That's just okay. I feel like I did Iceland and Canada and what's the scene in Greenland? I didn't like. Are there? It's not. I you know from what I've seen, it's not much. It's more of a much of of a personal thing. Like I would like to. I would just like to go there and say I've been to Greenland. Um, there are a few cities there, I guess. No, Nuke, Nuke. Is, okay. It's the main one. I don't know how you pronounce it. N U U K. I think. Yeah. Couldn't tell you, but. Yeah. Uh, and Australia is pretty high on my list. I am going to Australia, hopefully in 2022. Yeah. I've been saying it to my friends and stuff that I'm going there. And I, I'm just trying to in, like instill it into my head that I'm going. Hopefully they but ease up on it. Not be, uh, it may not be open for travel by yeah. next year. I've tried. Uh, that was, I tried to book that as my next. Big found a place to stay. I found a residency to do. And. I did, I did all, all of the research to, to go to Australia and applied and did all this stuff without doing the research. Will they let me in the country? And that was the last thing I had, I had the whole, I had the month. He was like, yes, come stay here. You do your artist residency. He was like, but you're from the United States. So the country might not be open to you by then. I was like, what? I, I, I was actually looking today. I think next year should start to open up a little bit. Yeah, I know Australians are able to travel around now, so that's yeah. a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I know international. I guess and Australians that were stuck out of country are able to come back now, but I don't know if non-Australians are allowed in yet. I don't think they are, but hopefully yeah. soon. I have a lot of wildlife I want to see there and photograph, and a lot of plants. Australia has like some of the most beautiful orchids in the world. And I always wanted to go to Australia to look for like the, some of the really iconic snakes and the big crocodiles mm-hmm. and stuff. But I'll probably spend a, a large part of my time when I go there looking for orchids and birds because the birds are amazing too. Just like some of the most beautiful, like parrots are just flying everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like pink parrots, you know, they're just, yeah. there's one called, I think a gala. It's like this beautiful pink. It's got several shades of pink. Yeah. They're like a, they're like grackles that we have here. You know, we have our, Mm-hmm. our blackbirds around here instead mm-hmm. of replace blackbirds with with parrots pink parrots that's yeah. Australia. just a bizarre all the mammals are marsupials for the most part or, 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 or like a majority of them they got i guess they got some uh placental mammals but it's just a very bizarre place you know mm-hmm. with beautiful landscapes yeah landscape. what part were you planning on going to uh, i'd have to look at the map it wasn't new south wales or somewhere on the south it wasn't Sydney. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was Southeast, but not around Sydney. It was a good you. distance from Sydney. I got uh, you. Yep. Absolutely. I can't even remember because I kind of on the Southern, that. on the Southern end of. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not in the deserts of the North. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Yeah. When you think of Australia, a lot of people just think of like, like the outback, like just barren desert but you go to the southern part or anywhere i guess along the coastlines in general very tropical yeah rainforest very, very diverse rainforest mm-hmm. with, uh, a lot of really neat stuff to see and what really what's really attractive about australia is it's a massive place and they only have like 20 million people in the country or something like some yeah so barren. like, that. like so that's desolate it's just the 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 people to land ratio is very ideal. Like I, I could live in a place like that if I wasn't so tied to 
if I didn't have such a strong home range instinct, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've, I could ever move from family and friends, but if I could, I would move to Australia, you mm-hmm. know, because that's the United, I love the United States and North America and Texas, but it's just, it's becoming less and less wild, you know? There's yeah. People here, even some of the national parks out in, out west, it seems like you go out there and there's just people on all the trails and it just doesn't, mm-hmm. Going to Big Ben, I was kind of, I mean, it was, it's an amazing place and there are plenty of trails to get out and away from people, but yeah, if you get kind of the more common trails or just people everywhere blaring their music, like, I don't know what that's all about these days. Kids, people blaring their freaking music out in nature, you yeah. know, like, it's just such a bummer. Um, you know, p- there's plenty of other opportunities to play your music. Mm-hmm. Not when you're out in nature, listen to the birds singing, you know, listen, listen to, uh, listen to the sounds of the natural world, you know? Yeah. All that to say that, yeah, Australia is, is a, it's a wild place. I would love to, I, I want to go there so bad. Yeah. Um, you should try out Alaska in the summer. We, Alaska? Some of the hikes, some of the hikes we did. Yeah. Me and Lauren did very a 14 mile one one day. We saw one person on the trail the, the whole day. Um, that's, that's amazing. It, it was amazing. But. Yeah. Just you and nature. Yeah. And then me and Lauren making a lot of noise because we have to, you know, you have to be loud in case there's bears. bears. So oh, we're like yeah. constantly talking and then every 20 seconds you'll, hey bear, hey. But, yeah. I always like to walk very slowly and quietly in the, in the woods to try yeah. not to scare the wildlife. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're out there. You don't want to turn a corner and like see a black bear 10 feet away or, or not a black bear, but a, a grizzly. Yeah. Because that could be bad, right? Yeah. So you might have to do some loud, loud hiking in Alaska, but you won't see anybody the whole day. Yeah. But, yeah. Did you see that? Um, <laughs> I kind of feel bad bringing this up. I saw this video of this, this, uh, a father and son, I guess, went hunting out there in Alaska and the father literally got his, his face r- kind of like literally ripped off and it's by, by a grizzly bear, but he was still alive and talking. It's very, very graphic. It was it's taken not off. The bell. I might have skipped that one. But the sun is like video. The sun shot mm-hmm. the bear while it was attacking his father. But somehow the son thought it was a good idea to film the thing. I, I don't know how you film while your father's face is just, you know, completely mm-hmm. stripped off of the bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there, are, there are stories of pretty horrific grizzly attacks, but I, it's yeah. pretty rare, though, in general. Yeah. It is, it is rare and it's um, like one a year or something in alaska you still want to take take the necessary steps to you yeah. know mitigate that because mm-hmm. it uh man it just i don't know what you do if a grizzly comes after you just crawl in a ball you know i don't know what what do they tell you to do crawl in a ball and protect yeah your play dead you say play dead uh i feel inclined to climb a tree i'm, I'm pretty nifty i'm like a i'm kind of like a monkey when i climb a yeah, tree yeah Shuffle. I think grizzlies can climb trees too, though. Yeah, that, that would be my worry is they chase right right up after, and then you're getting attacked by a grizzly and you're and a tree uh, falling so. down. Yeah, I don't know. I, I need more about how to handle black bear stuff because that's yeah, black bears are much most likely encounter, and you just yeah. loud and have your bear spray. Everybody has bear spray on them. You, you carried bear spray mm-hmm. every time we were out somewhere remote or we're 
there's a chance of bears. Everybody has bear spray always. So yeah. Which I didn't know is like 60 bucks. We went there, we we're like, yeah, we'll just get some when we're up there. And then we go to Walmart. Like bear spray is $60, $50, $60. That's worth it for your potentially for yeah, your you know. <laughs> I know. I just thought it was like a ten dollar, you know. Yeah, yeah spritz can but no although there's i mean you could probably walk around without bear spray for a long time and, and never you probably most people never even use their bear spray probably probably yeah you know, um and i guess a lot of the bears that are around like popular fishing areas and mm-hmm. around urban areas they're so like habituated to people they just kind of do their thing mm-hmm. and you'll see yeah. people i see videos of people like you know fly fishing catching stuff and like salmon and stuff and there's like a, a brown bear right next to them yeah on that's yeah down doing the same the, thing catching fish down on and the, it seems like uh, they they really do coexist and, and a lot of the, which is really neat yeah, you know mm-hmm. bears and humans living side by side yeah never got that close but i heard the stories <laughs> how do you feel about bear hunting you know that's a big deal in, in parts of alaska that was interesting. Uh, every every person that I had met who had been bear hunted, it's like not about the meat. It's it's about the fat, and you're yep. They like that that bear grease. You're you're yeah. You're hunting it for the fat. Um, Surely they utilize the meat though. No, I'm sure they do. And, and um, even with this, might be wrong. You. If you get bear meat, you're always, you're, you're going to want to grind it and mix it up with something like beef or like whatever. Pork or something. Too, yeah. yeah. Gamey. It's like not good on its own. Yeah. <laughs> but, Depending on what they're eating, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I don't have a big, I don't have a opinion on bear hunting. Yeah. I know people do it. I just Crazy. think it's like not as, like it's cool to kill a bear, I, I guess, but I'd much rather have a moose or an elk in my freezer. Yeah. You know, like, better meat we have a weird i'm a hunter myself and and, but i I don't know if i could kill uh, a bear you know there's a weird connection we have to big uh for a lot of people um we have a connection to big you know predators like that it may be because you know you know growing up in texas a lot of our large apex predators have disappeared from the landscape Mm -hmm. they were hunted out by by uh, some of the first people that arrived to texas and you know they were really persecuted hard and um so to me like we don't have bears in east texas really anymore they they kind of venture in every now and then but like bears are such a novelty like to see a bear in east texas would be so amazing i would have no desire to harvest a bear you know and that kind of extends to just bears in general i just very uh they're very charismatic um but i do understand that they're very well managed in, in much of the united states um and and canada and their populations are are managed by biologists and they can they do have a sustainable way to harvest them and a lot of people find a lot of value in in going out and pursuing that species and eating that species and Mm -hmm. using all the different uh using the the you know the hide and everything um so i do not uh i do not knock them for that i just i personally could not harvest a bear i don't think Mm -hmm. Um, certainly not a grizzly maybe a black bear yeah, I would say I, I would intend to eat every every ounce of meat left on that thing, and keep the skull and the in the in the skin and everything, every bone, every last bone I would keep. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. And then, uh, 
we were up there, I, I didn't have uh, much of an opinion on hunting before. We were up there, we made friends who, uh, we had one friend specifically, uh, Stephen, who, you know, wrote, wrote articles for Meat Eater. And he's like, okay. Authors, he does a lot of, a lot of the Alaska articles. Who is this again? Uh, this is uh, Stephen Klobuchar. Um, and could you hook he, me up with this guy? Yeah, probably could. I would, uh, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to talk to anybody that has anything to do with the meat eater. Oh, I got, I got yeah. more connection. Here we go. I'll, I'll get into it. But um, first one was Stephen. Um, just it was, it was cool to meet somebody who was part of the process, and he would write about the last stuff and yeah. how to catch cook and eat arctic grayling and, and yeah. articles like that and he was on a podcast episode one time on their mediator mediator podcast on the fishing spinoff portion of it okay um, yeah they got several several mm-hmm. smaller podcasts mm-hmm. and then uh then just out of curiosity I, I i hadn't even like watched or listened to me either before that and then i kind of started to uh, listen to the podcast just out of curiosity interest listen to all the Alaska episodes. Um, and then I was in an art online art exhibit thing, uh, this summer. And, uh, there's a woman named Kelsey Johnson who's in it and she's big hunter fisher. So we, we share a lot of same interests and she also just bought a cabin in Alaska with her fiance and her fiance is, um, Seth Morris, who's the photographer for Stephen Ella. Wow. I think. Anyway, I'm going to their wedding in uh, uh, July. Oh, you're cutting, you're cutting out right now. Whole, oh, so whole you're going to eat your wedding. wedding. I'm, assuming, okay. I'm assuming. That's so cool. And uh, I'll be some pretty cool people there. I just, I recently I guess, have gotten into I guess stuff, Steve Rennell so. will be there. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're going you're gonna to go there and you're going to tell them there's this really cool podcast. And the host <laughs> yeah. of the podcast, it's like his dream to have you on to his podcast yeah i love yeah. steve Rennell. he's a very passionate naturalist and outdoorsman he takes a different approach he eats he eats all the most random animals and he mm-hmm. just has a different uh, he just really thinks outside the box he's he's more about experiencing different ecosystems and different yeah. wildlife species and 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 it's not like killing the animals a very small part of it for steve Rennell. Mm-hmm. that's real truly a very small part of it he's much more connected to the natural world than that yeah he really talks like a biologist too you know he's um knows a whole lot about nature mm-hmm. so you better you better uh you better go once i got into that <laughs> i had a new uh a new outlook on hunting and yeah uh, through through me through knowing these meat eater people and through yeah. like diving into that side i've never been hunting yeah and i think that i decided i'd like to go and i think i would like to start with bird hunting i think bird hunting it's it's easy to start with because you don't have as that's what I've heard. Connection to birds. When you get to mammals, it's like okay, that's a little closer to me, and that's a little more yeah. of an emotional experiment. Yeah, that experience. one has a little more soul in its eyes, but right. maybe I think I'd like to start with bird hunting, and I'd obviously need to go with people who know what they're doing because yeah. I'm, I'm constantly the rookie at everything. You know, I'm I'm always being I'm always the person tagging along that right. has to be, please tie my fishing hook, you know, stuff like that, but. Well, getting, I need to be that person. Yeah. Getting started hunting, it, it's very intimidating for a lot of people um, mm-hmm. because like just access and then there's all this gear you need and then you got to, you know, know people. And um, mm-hmm. so it's always great to, um, and I'm always looking for opportunities to, you know, m- mentor people or, or, you know, give, give them those opportunities 
Mm. because it is um it is very intimidating i don't know if you feel intimidated but it like a little bit if you're kind of thinking about going hunting it's like all right where do i go you know who do i go with what do i need what license and permits do i need Mm -hmm. what kind of gear do i need and it starts Mm -hmm. to add up but once you start kind of getting into it it is a very cool way to interact with with the natural world it really is um Mm -hmm. you know harvesting a deer or something it it really and then eating that animal it really um you know, you're taking in those nutrients that it accumulated from that ecosystem that mm. it's a part of. And it's, it's very, uh, for me, it's very, not a very spiritual person, but it's, it's about as close to spirituality as I get is, you know, stuff like yeah. that, you know, getting closer to nature is, uh, is very neat yeah. for me. Um, so I, I do hope you, you do get into it. Cause I think you, I think you would really enjoy it. I agree. And like, when I think back to the most fulfilled experiences, that I've ever had and like I think back to like like when I went to Lake Conroe and spent all day crappie fishing and then go home and have a whatever fish fry and it it's like, that's so fulfilling like to spend all day catching the food and eating it for dinner at night and in Alaska the same thing you know we went out salmon fishing and then by the end of the day we're cooking and frying that you know in someone's cabin having that for dinner with like that, those are the most fulfilling things to me. And I, I talked to, to, to about this to someone the other day and we had a big raspberry bush in our front yard in, in our cabin in Alaska. And it produced like three cups of raspberries a day. Was so many raspberries. And I'd go out there, pick all these, I didn't even know what to do with it. I'd make jams and stuff. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I was like, why is this so, feels so good? Like making harvesting your own food <laughs> yeah harvesting your own food making food out of things that are like right around you and like when I say that 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 fills me up like internally it, it does and yeah. it, so I do think I would like hunting for that reason yeah. um and what bird what birds do you what would you like to hunt first like uh <laughs> probably start with doves that's a pretty easy one Somebody told me that's yeah. that's fun. Is yeah. dove very hunting. a lot of access for dove hunting. A lot mm-hmm. of public land where you can dove hunt, and mm-hmm. you don't need a lot of gear. It's not like duck hunting where you had to buy a bunch of like you know a bunch of gear. Mm-hmm. Duck, I'll eventually duck hunting, and then I would. As much as I love sandhill cranes, I also heard they taste very high of the sky. Yes, I've heard that, and they're good. So. Yeah, I've tried them; they're very good. It's it's like very very tender like steak. It almost it's hard to imagine that it's a bird, like it's a fowl, because it's such would, a rich, dark meat. I'd like to have, I'd like to have a sandhill crane. Yep. So I think that's what I would start with. Birds. Very, are... very easy to hit too. They're big and slow. Big, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know if I would have as much fun har- harvesting sandhills because I have, I do have kind of a special connection to sandhills. I, I really I like, too. like, I, I like photographing them, you know, they're just this big. They got one of the loudest calls, like among yeah. birds. Dinosaur type. They sound like dinosaurs. You can hear them, you know, when birds start migrating in early fall. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one bird I hear first. Like they're they're way up in the sky, but you hear them with their dinosaur call. Mm-hmm. They're just uh, they're, they're really amazing. Um, but I would like to go hunt hunt sandhills at some point just to get the meat. You know, I want to eat. Yeah. In Fairbanks, there was a, uh, it's called Creamer's Field, and it was a migratory waterfowl refuge. Oh, nice. And there was the sandhill cranes, and, you know, I didn't know much about them before I went up there for the summer, but 
they're in this field all summer long, just whatever, bebopping around doing after the dinosaurs, doing their thing. <laughs> um, and the more I learned about it, I'm like, oh, these, like half these guys here. They're going to end up in Corpus Texas. Christi. <laughs> yes. And, and then at the end of summer, Fairbanks has a, um, uh, a Sandhill Crane Festival where they celebrate the migration of, oh. of the cranes leaving. And like that was I that for my postcard project where I did a hundred postcards, I donated five percent of, of every postcard to to Creamers Field, the migratory waterfowl. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. It was um and I'm just I'm just glad those things exist. And yeah. even though the festival is like kind of dorky and it's just a couple <laughs> pop-up tents and like kids' activities yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, that's super cool. I'm glad this town's doing this for the birds. You have a have you, have you done anything else or have, 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 have aspirations to use your art for conservation? I do. Um, I would love to, it just, it always has to be like location specific for me. And, and before when I was looking at what organization I wanted to, to donate 5% of these postcards to, I was looking at very broad organizations like nature conservancy and yeah, Alaska, whatever Alaska land all these really broad general thing or if I if I gave them 500 bucks like it would be going towards <laughs> like something dumb like or it would be going towards I don't know I, I didn't have the heart in it yeah to, to donate to these bigger ones these bigger ones and I wanted to find something so small and so obscure and local that I I could probably tell where my 500 bucks went to, you know, and, and that's what I did. That's why I chose Creamer's Field. Yeah. And so with these, with these paintings I do in the future, I would definitely like to do like an auction or something. I don't know what for yet, but I want to like yeah. for Texas, um, maybe like in endangered species stuff. Mm-hmm. The Barton Springs salamander yeah. has a grip on my, on my heart. I love if, that if you, if you, if you want to really, if you want your your fundraising money to go a long way, I recommend mm-hmm. um, donating it to a local land trust. Mm-hmm. I had I had uh, this this lady Suzanne Simpson on, and she works for the Byland Conservancy. And as far as just you know, taking that money and really benefiting a lot of species, land trusts are a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Barton Spring salamander, that's a that's a very cool species, and but the reality is that they have a lot of, they have a lot of funds for that, yeah. you know, and they have their area protected already. And, um, but really the number one threat to just wildlife in general in Texas is the urban sprawl. So the more land that is bought yeah. and, or, uh, or not even bought, but with land trust, they, they put private lands under conservation easement mm-hmm. and that's so valuable. Like it's a, it's a legal, it's a legal process that, you know, a private landowner goes through to say that this land will never be developed ever, you know, mm-hmm. it's in perpetuity. So like a local land trust, I think, um, mm-hmm. there's in the Hill country, there's, um, I think the, the Texas land conservancy. Um, but a lot of them are, they're kind of small operations and they, they rely solely on, you know, private, you know, donors. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that's something to, to look into. If you, if you want to, if you want your art to go a long way, if you're going to put you know, any kind of resources into conservation, look mm-hmm. in the local land trust, you know, that can be very valuable. I wrote it down. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, the species, there are certain species that, you know, we, you that are really cool and 
Um, but a lot, a lot of those endangered species already have a lot of, a lot of resources going at them, you know, which is good, which is very good, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that, that's cool. Yeah. What are some of your, you know, future aspirations with your career is travel around more and draw more landscapes, huh? Yeah. So for as long as I can get away with it, I'd like to travel and make art and not be in the same place for too long. (laughs) Yeah. But to be in a few places long enough to really appreciate them. To appreciate them, yeah. If I was only in Iceland for a week and I only did tours, I don't think I would have the same appreciation. And if I was only in Alaska and I just went to Anchorage and got a fishing charter for a weekend, I don't think I would have the same appreciation. So I would like to keep doing these kind of extended trips where I'm somewhere long enough to to build a short-term, I don't know, short-term life there. Um, yeah, yeah. And then move on to the next place. And for as Great. long as I can get away with that, yeah. I'd love to keep doing it. You, you like the you like the nomadic lifestyle, moving around? I do. Um, if if it's anywhere but Austin, I'm so <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of Austin. Austin, it's a it's a neat place. But if you grew up there, you know, you went to high school there, you went to college there. Elementary yeah. school, middle school. I saw you in a never... post when you graduated. You literally every single school you ever went to was like on like this one part of Austin. Yes, pretty yeah. much. Yes. Which is kind of cool, honestly. But yeah, you got to get out of there at some point. I'm at the point where I, like, I meet people and they're like, "Oh, where are you from?" And I'm like, "Austin." They're like, "Wow, you're from here? Like <laughs> that is so rare." And I'm like, yeah. "God, is it?" <laughs> yeah. Um, but anywhere but Austin, and then. Yeah. Long term, the all I have is a vision of a studio somewhere. I would like yeah, to have, have a studio. Yeah, a big, I have a home base somewhere. Have a home base somewhere. I'd like to be successful enough where I could. I could, I could have several places I could bounce around or something right. like that. But I have a vision of a very big, well lit studio with a lot of windows and somewhere pretty. That's that's the only long term goal I have right now. But nice. it's something. Before we end here, tell tell people where to uh, about your art stuff online and where to look at your stuff and and any, yeah. any other closing remarks you want to include here. Sure. Um, so my social media stuff is annmyoung.arts on uh, Instagram and I guess TikTok. That one's a little less important to me, yeah. but but your TikToks uh, are wonderful. They really are good. <laughs> are they? They're kind of. <laughs> They're pretty good. Some of them. I post them sometimes like, it was so cringy, but it gets, you know, hey, it gets more people looking at your art. It's you got to do what you got to do. And so both of them are animyoung.arts. Um, and then I have a website. It's just annemarieyoung.com, all one word. And that's where you can kind of see everything I've ever made. And then uh, I have prints for sale right now. I recently started doing prints, the big fancy printer I bought. Um, so I have those for sale and stickers yep. and what else do I have? That's yeah. I think that I think covers my online yeah. presence. Very so, good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we can, uh, I think we can end it at that. I think that's uh, a pretty good ending point. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Happy to be your first artist. And, and good luck with your art career and, and, and really bring in nature to people in a different way, you know? Yeah, trying to. So, yeah. very good. Take it easy, Anne Marie.